0: Hello and welcome to another NL full-time podcast. And after a a run of special guests in recent weeks, we've got a nice cosy little, well, I was going to say threesome, but foursome because uh, Luke, who was our regular host, who's now our producer, is in the background with us today, getting ready to edit this one. Um, It will just be the four members of NL full-time, starting uh, with uh, Joe Pope. Joe, um, welcome back.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll apologise in advance to all our listeners that I do sound croaky because I've got a sore throat, but it's not because I've been out partying from a a win for Torquay. It's uh, just the uh, busy life that's caught up in me.
0: And the fact that Rob's dragging you up at nine o'clock to do this podcast on a Sunday morning. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's my fault because I've got work later. Um, Welcome also to Dickie Wharton. Morning, Dickie.
2: Good morning, Rob, and good morning to uh, uh, Joe and Luke as well on the call. Nice to see you.
0: And I mentioned uh, that Luke was with us, and and Luke, funnily enough, will be coming back to host the podcast next weekend while I'm away sunning myself abroad.
1: Um, How are you keeping, Luke? Very well, Rob. Cheers, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it next week. Sterling
0: work from you in the background doing the editing on the pod. It's very much appreciated, and we very much think of you as the fourth Beatle. I don't know what to
1: say to that. (laughs) No,
0: that's all right. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at a gallery view at the minute of the four. Well, it's a rogues (laughs) gallery. That's what it is, isn't it? But uh, no, it it feels kind of cosy and good because we've had that run of special guests. And, uh, you know, today it's just the four of us. Um, And uh, we're going to review another crazy weekend in the National League on and off the pitch and uh, also take a look at how our National League North and South teams got on in the third qualifying round of the FA Cup, Um, starting then with the National League. And uh, we're sort of building a new tradition these days, rather than just going from top to bottom, we're going to pick out one or two key performances and results to start with. And uh, I must admit, looking at yesterday's 12 games, um, I concur with the non-league paper about the team of the day or the boss of the day, uh, and that has to be uh, Mark White at Dorking, whose side went all the way up to Hartlepool. Um, The side's really, really struggling with injuries, as Mark will tell you in just a moment. Um, But And and admittedly, Hartlepool are as well. Um, But nevertheless, another 2-0 away win on the road for the Wanderers, who, let's remember, didn't win away on the road north of Watford last season, and uh, now they've done it twice already. Uh, and they're on a cracking run at the moment of four wins in the last six games. Here's the brief thoughts of the Dorking Wanderers manager and owner, Mark White.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, we, we're, thanks, Rob. We're just um, yeah we're having a good time, working really hard. It's amidst an injury crisis as well, which has helped put us together. We've been missing six to seven first team uh, regulars on a regular basis. We lost McShane in the first minute yesterday um in terms of um a, a really bad hamstring pull or tear um two players to um cuts to their heads as well during the game for all three south were forced but this in really a good place right now we um we're trying to be more tactically astute away from home and we're enjoying a good spell but obviously in this division as we all know it's unforgiving and you need to be ready for the next opponent but obviously we are delighted to be going to places like Halifax, Hartlepool, keeping clean sheets and taking back maximum points.
0: That was Mark White and Joe, you know, even taking everything into account and, and and uh, you know, Hartlepool's injury crisis as well. That's an eye-catching result for Dorkin Wanderers yesterday on the back of some previously eye-catching results with the usual bout of injury worries that they have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the key thing at the moment is they're able to do it with a clean sheet. You know, five clean sheets already this season. I think they only had seven last season in total and have already got five this season. So yeah, really, really good performance. Uh I see another goal for new signing Tom Blair as well. I think that's two now for him. Um and yeah, I mean the only thing I will add is I don't really have any sympathy for Mark because his team's one of only two teams that actually has 30 plus players to choose from um, on the books. But regardless of that, um, it is, you know, a really good win on the road. And as for Hartlepool, um, yeah, I think their injuries are really hitting them hard. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Those couple of players that they've got out are really hurting them, uh, especially Mancini in midfield.
0: Yeah, saw on your um, excellent read, the -the off-the-line blog that you do, you did an article about Hartlepool missing Mancini. There was one or two comebacks from Hartlepool fans just saying, yes, we're missing him, but we're missing three or four others as well. I think it definitely is the collective effect, but I think it's testimony to Dorking, how they are used to doing everything they do in adversity. And yeah, you're absolutely right. They do have a relatively large playing squad, even if five or six of those players are out on loans for the season. Um, and I think it's proven necessary. I think generally the part-time teams uh, tend to run with higher squads. Uh, I know Wealdstone's squad numbers are, are, are not anywhere near as high as, um, as Dawkins. But um, let's move on from that game then and talk about another. Well, nobody ever seems to know quite what Maidenhead are. Um, fully part-time, partly full-time, somewhere in between. I don't know. But what they do do is they have a habit of upsetting the big boys. And Chesterfield... Who swept everybody before him of late, travelled uh, to York Road on Saturday, and yet again managed to come away without a win. Um, Dicky, just coming to you on this one, it's an it's a head scratcher, isn't it? I think it's I don't think they've ever won at Maidenhead, Chesterfield, have they?
2: Yeah, the surprise is that we're not surprised with uh, with Maidenhead doing this. Um... You know, they, they their form isn't great this season. They are down towards the bottom of the table, but it. How many times do we have to say, don't write Alan Devine's team off because they do just seem to find a way. Um, and there is something about them playing the teams that are higher up as well that that seems to inspire them. Whether it is that perceived difference in status or actual difference in status between them that that just sort of gives them that that edge when it comes to these games, whether they, the full-time teams maybe think it's going to be a little bit easy when they get to Maidenhead as well. They really shouldn't because, goodness me, there's enough history to suggest that, you know, you really don't take Maidenhead lightly. Um, but, yeah, really, really good point for them yesterday.
0: And Joe, a brief word on uh, one of the Chesterfield players.
1: Yeah, um, I was speaking to a couple of Chesterfield fans online last night and they said... Uh, uh, what a brilliant job Liam Mandeville's doing this season! Um, keeping out Jeff King and he's actually paying it right back for them, uh, so far. So, um, yeah, really, really good job. Yeah, excellent
0: stuff. Well, Barnet and Bromley both took full advantage of Chesterfield only picking up a point on Saturday, and they closed to within three and uh, within seven points of Chesterfield with those two wins. Well, for Bromley, they found a way to beat Gateshead. Uh, by three goals to one, um, Denanga did score again and did get Gateshead level after Michael Cheek's opener, but further goals from Webster. And Cheek again uh, got the deal done for Bromley. And uh, and I ha- have to say, because regular listeners on the pod will probably pull me up on this. The agreement was the next time Bromley won and Cheek scored, he was coming on this pod. But Michael was had to send his apologies today. We're giving one more chance, fellas, all right? (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, the outstanding thing about that for me is not necessarily Bromley continuing a really excellent run of form, but finding a way to beat Gateshead, because they know what the answer is, and Woking do. They came from behind to beat Gateshead 3-1, but um, the only thing I can think of is the way that they play, so bravely that they play Gateshead, If they don't get the passing right, they can be picked off. And I know at least one of the goals, the first goal from Cheek was just like that, Joe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about how great they are with the ball, um, but there is scope to get at them defensively, Gateshead, um, for as good as they are. Um, What I really liked about Bromley was every time that Gateshead came back at them yesterday, they had an answer. You know, they concede to go one all, they go and get a goal four minutes later They then have a man sent off, and then two minutes after that, they go and get the third goal to wrap up the point. So, uh, yeah, really good win for Bromley.
0: As for Dean Brennan's men, they won 2-1 away at Kidderminster, uh, for whom I know Russ Penn has been bemoaning their luck of late. They've been so close. They lost so many games by the odd goal. They just can't score enough goals. They got one yesterday, but it was uh, a consolation in the 64th minute from Pierce after a wonderful Hartigan free kick and a second goal from Callum Stead. So Barnett keep themselves in second place. And they'll be live on our TNT Sports uh, channel um, next weekend when they travel to Meadowbank. And that's a really good pick from the TV companies because, um, whisper it quietly, but Mark White has got a, an excellent record against Dean Brennan. Um, and uh, I think they've been since they've been at this level for sure. Um, Barnet haven't beaten Dorking yet, so uh, a unique kind of challenge, isn't it? Going to Meadowbank? but uh, that one will be live on our TV screens next weekend. The side sandwich between Barnet and Bromley are Solly Hull Moores, who again went behind and again came out of yesterday's game unbeaten. Um, it was against Neil Ardley's York, and that one finished. Two all in the end, no goals until the forty second minute York took the lead. Solihull Moores came back, went ahead through Josh Kelly, and then Max Cuyar managed to thread the ball into the net to get a point for for York and um well, York have been ahead a few times in thrown away leads, but they are generally a, a different animal against uh, uh sorry a different animal these days under Neil Hardley, aren't they?
2: yes, they are um you know it, it's no surprise. Um, that, that you know things have improved with Neil Ardley going in there. We it, it, he was somebody that I um, thought would be a good fit for that job in that he's just got the experience. I think, that York City needed. Um, it also helps, of course, that there were one or two players who'd gone to York City, the likes of Callum Howe, who was his captain at, at Solihull. You know, he's got a, a, a very solid uh, player in the in the centre of that defence there. Um, up against his old team, who have changed things around a bit, you know, it's not an entirely familiar uh, side to to, uh, to Neil Ardley that he was facing yesterday, but enough of his former players there that he would have known about them. Solihull's run... Um, to stay unbeaten at this point of the season. I saw one of their fans um, having a little bit of a complaint last night that he felt that they were drawing too many games. Well, given where Solihull Moors are compared to where we thought they might be, I, I, I think that's a, um, you know, it's almost a little bit like, uh, you know, my my diamond tiara has slipped a little there. You know, they, they, mm. they, I think Solihull are punching well above where we thought they would be. Um, you know, and if that's all you've got to moan about, that, that you are drawing... More games than you than you perhaps think you should be winning in a, in a fourteen game unbeaten run. Then you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, if you want to look at long unbeaten runs with a lot of draws, in look back at Bournemouth Woods a couple of times over the last few years. That was heavily laden with draws. This Solihull's peppered with wins, and they're in fantastic position uh, in an automatic um, you know a playoff semi final berth at the moment. Of course, a long long way to go, but we are now. Um, mathematically a quarter of the way through the season. So it's a very, very good start for Moors under Andy Wing, who deserves the plaudits. Somebody who's been creeping up under the radar, and I think finally the ra- the radar's shone, where uh, it's kind of magnified everything really yesterday, and that's Altrincham. Uh, they're on a terrific run of form. Uh, three wins on the trot in the last week, nine points gathered. Uh, And the latest three of those live on TNT Sports on Saturday. And that was a 2-1 win at Old Now, having kept abreast of that game, you know, as I was travelling back from Aldershot yesterday um, and then having watched um, quite a lot of the highlights of it, it seems that they've added a different string to their bow yesterday, Joe, um, because they've had some impressive performances of late. And yesterday wasn't necessarily one, was it? But they found a way to get a job
1: done, the 2-1 win at Oxford City. Yeah, and I think I think that's probably what's been missing the last few years. The fact that, you know, we, we know the really good attacking, um, good to watch Ultringham, but can we see the gritty and grind out a result, Ultringham? And that's what we got yesterday. And I think that's a bit more balanced to their game. Now, two goals from a defender yesterday. Um showing that they do have goals from all around the pitch and uh, yeah, a good uh, good win for them. seems like they were perhaps better than I expected.
0: Now I took a look at South End in the week and was full of empathy for their situation as we've been on the pod and as everybody at Aldershot Town were, you know including the the Aldershot captain after the game Aaron Jones who went over and, and Tommy Widrington and applauded the South End fans because it's something quite incredible that they're doing. Um, In the back of my mind, as an Aldershot supporter, I wondered if fatigue might be creeping into the South End camp with the lack of rotation. Um, But it was not the case. I'm going to be honest and say they were the better team at the EBB in midweek, despite the fact that the game ended in a draw. Um, And they really, really went to the end. And then it's easy, isn't it, to be so lazy in journalism. I glanced at the scoreline yesterday, Rochdale tuning up, and I thought, ah, that's the game that's too far south end but it wasn't to be because harry cardwell is in the form of his life Uh, and two headers from crosses in the second half meant that south end left spotland with a point uh, and left rochdale a little bit disappointed but still inside those playoff positions on 19 points undoubtedly a really good solid start for rochdale joe but they'll be they'll be disappointed won't they that they couldn't hang on yesterday
1: yeah, and I think that's the the overriding emotion I've seen from quite a few Dale fans on Twitter. They are disappointed that they should have won the game in, at 2 0 up at home. You probably should. Um, you know, you flip that and say that, you know, for all that they're the going through, Southend to get a, a draw from 2 0 down is a really, really good point. Um, as you said, Carwell in good form. Uh, one of their new players. Um, so they've been able to go out and sign a couple of players despite their, you know, restrictions. Brooklyn Cabangolo came on in the 90th minute. He signed formerly of Ipswich. Uh, he signed before the game, and uh, yeah, a really really good point on the road for Southend that keeps them ticking along quite nicely. And uh, with Kabamba uh, not scoring for Barnet
0: yesterday, a look at the goal scoring charts in the National League. Kabamba uh, still on nine. Cardwell's joined him now. And Marcus Dananga on 12. Um, Josh Stokes of Aldershot is up to seven. And his seventh and his uh, was probably his best goal of the season so far. Um, it put Aldershot 2-1 up against a uh, 10-man, Dagenham and Redbridge, by that stage on Saturday. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge, credit to them, uh, put in a good performance. And they got themselves level through Freddie Sears, who I think, will do very, very well at this level on, on, on first look. Um, sadly for Dagenham and Redbridge, Aldershot, they don't always have consistency, they don't always have quality, but what they do have is a lot of spirit and they kept going on Saturday. Um, and Kwame Thomas finally got his first goal of the season for the shots, heading home from an Ollie Harfield cross in the 89th minute to uh, seal all three points for the shots. Um, saw and spoke briefly off-air to Ben Strevens on the day. Obviously, you know, we talked about some of the changes there and, and where they have lost key players, it's particularly up front. So hopefully Sears will give them a little bit of a lift and and, and and they'll get an even greater lift when Innie Effion is able to return. Another conversation with Ben, just confirmed that a survey has been sent round by the National League regarding the number of substitutes and, you know, the way Ben's replied and, 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 and the vibe he's getting from the other managers is that whenever they possibly can, as soonest as possible, they will be voting to have five subs. And I think, chaps, the the, the average game's now being 100-plus minutes, um, greater chances of suspension as well, with yellow cards being waved round for everything. Um, Dickie, just coming to you on this one, um, that surely is a decision of common sense that has to occur sooner rather than later.
2: You would think so. I would imagine the challenge around that is the fact that the National League covers both an almost fully professional league at the top division and then two almost fully semi-professional leagues below it. And, you know, how uh, how is that being considered? Because there will be teams towards the lower end of the north and south who... Goodness me, we we see instances of teams not even been able to name five substitutes to choose three from, let alone having five. Um, so that might be a bit of a, a, a sticking point around that one. You would tend to think that the, the the national league, the fully professional clubs, will probably get their way on that one, um, and it is a bit of a reaction to who knows, you know, what is a bit of a temporary circumstance you know we are seeing a lot of time being added onto games because of time wasting etc it seems to me what we're doing by by giving teams more substitutes is actually almost giving them license to time waste by saying well we're just going to add the time on at the end and to me and it's purely a personal view I, i would keep it at three substitutes and try and stop the team's time wasting because that's what it's being done in response to but that's just me
0: well, interesting. I'll just come to you quickly on this one, Joe. Um, my, my my thoughts to sort of throw over to you is one is, I don't know, and maybe we can dig around and see if we can find out, but it's un- it would be unusual for the National League to change any rules mid-season. It might have to wait until June. Um, so we need to find out if that's a possibility. Um, the other point is, just to counter Dickie's point, really, um, it's the same rules at the National League, North and South. I, I completely get you, you might have your kind of small, smaller clubs thinking this is a bigger advantage to the bigger clubs, with bigger squads and, and more budget. But um, from what I've witnessed, and of course that's largely been games involving all the shop, home and away, um, the whole time-wasting thing has virtually disappeared straight away. Um, I've seen very little. I mean, keeping possession, passing the ball backwards and forwards, but that's completely and utterly legal, right? Keeping possession...
1: Yeah, um, I suppose I, 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 you still do see. Um, it's different, obviously, supporting Torquay because for for everybody in the National League South, playing Torquay is their cup final. So if they're winning or drawing with ten minutes to go, then they do start time wasting, um, and it'd be the same unless as they're five 0 down. Unless they're five 0 down, um, but yeah, I, I think. The, the the main thing is the fact that we're seeing so many red cards. That that's the re- the key reason I would say as to why you would want more subs to be able to change things. Because, I mean, I don't I don't see why um, we're we're giving out so many red cards. You know, we're just swinging out red cards left, right, and centre. I and another three yesterday, um, and in what are largely not dangerous or. Um, Nasty games um,
0: Well uh, Joe I, I I haven't seen the other two But I saw one of them at first hand And I can completely understand why the referee Sent off Sam Ling um, You know I, I don't think there was any Malice meant by Sam Ling but he absolutely Flew in to try and win the ball With that belief in his head that he was going to catch it Clean but the only thing he caught clean Was Josh Stokes it looked horrible And I was absolutely amazed When Stokes pretty much got straight up from that I think he was a lucky boy <laughs> Uh, Sam Ling wasn't so lucky. I'm seeing yellow cards waved around like confetti. Um, you, you can't always hear the language that players are using. But if, if I was, and I never will be, but if I was a manager in the National League, I'd bring out the old Brian Clough's line of thought at this point. Don't give the referee any dissent. Just accept all of his decisions. Because 99% of the time, they're not going to change their minds And all you're going to do is risk a yellow card that's going to cost you or the team sooner or later. And I witnessed at least two of those yellow cards again yesterday uh, in the Aldershot-Dagenham game, probably one on each side. They are totting up. We're going to have an absolute plethora of suspensions from around about now to the next six weeks. It's going to be ridiculous.
1: And I think that's the point we're trying to make with, you know, if you're going to have more subs... Um, or bigger squads, then it allows you to, to counteract that. Um, I mean, I know yesterday at the game I was at, the, the, uh, the referee was swinging out yellow cards that they were going out of fashion um, for, for needless things. Little, you know, every challenge was a yellow card. Um, so, yeah. Just wrapping up some more games in the National
0: League. Wheelstone and Oldham shared the points. Bowen for Wheelstone and Reed for Oldham in that one, which ended uh, one-all. And uh, filed played at home to Woking, and Woking just go quietly about their business, don't they? Yes, they've not been as as prolific in front of goal lately as they would have hoped to have been, but a beautiful free kick from uh, Porig Amund and uh, a goal within a few minutes of his debut from Lewis Walker, who's come in on loan, sealed the deal for them, and that left filed sat in those bottom four places. Um, well, Bore and Wood are only a point outside the relegation zone, which are words you probably haven't uttered for five or six years. Um, despite Angelo Bellanta scoring his fourth goal in three games, fourth goal in two and a half games, to be precise, um, they went down 3-1 at Ebsfleet, who, who've really drifted a little bit of late, but uh, uh, a smashed finish from uh, Luke O'Neill, and a double from McQueen, a name we haven't seen so much on the score sheet in uh, in recent times. Sealed a really, really good three points at home for uh, Ebbsfleet Joe.
1: Yeah. Um, and after losing their last game, Ebbsfleet would have wanted to come out and get back to winning ways. And, and they did. Um, you know, Ebbsfleet always seemed to me to be either a really, really good and they go and put three or four past someone or they have it to themselves. Um, and yesterday obviously it was the former Um, obviously lots of experience in their side, O'Neill getting the first goal. Um, As for Bournewood I'm starting to be a little bit concerned that perhaps that you know the really attritional Bournewood that we've seen of old is perhaps not up to the metal this season Um, you know the the National League is getting so much better in terms of the the playing style and the, the approach and just wonder whether that approach that's worked so well for Luke Goward is perhaps coming a, a cropper a little bit.
0: Well, they have had a few injury issues as well, and I think they're badly missing the presence and the leadership of Jamal Fifield at the moment. Hopefully he'll be back soon for them. Just one other game, and I wanted to leave it to last just because it's we, we want to chat probably more about the managerial situation, but um, FC Halifax Town, who are sat sort of pretty plum mid-table at the moment, Um, scored twice late on a little bit of a comeback but it wasn't enough because by that time Eastley were almost out of sight Uh, a penalty from Chris Maguire and a double from Paul McCallum and Eastley's little upturn in form has coincided with McCallum being back in the team Um, and Richard Hill's temporary stay in the dugout has been made permanent Um, uh, a decision made there by um, Richard Hill
1: Yeah, um, not sure what to make of this one, really, to be honest. Um, I can't say with confidence that Richard Hill is the best person for Eastleigh um, that they could have got. Um, Certainly for a team that have spent as much as they have in the summer and put together a squad as good as they have, I would like to have seen a little bit more ambition and go and try and get a manager, you know, like like York have done in going and getting Neil Ardley to match that ambition. Um, as Dicky says, he might be a little bit over the hill now. Um, he won't say that himself. Um, he's obviously thought he's the best person for the role, but I, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, there's quality in that squad. and If you can get them playing, then you know they they can still have a good season. You know, you talk about McCallum there, two goals, and uh, they have got a good squad. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more ambition.
0: Yeah, just two points off the playoffs easily, despite being down in thirteenth position. And we're taking a slightly tongue-in-cheek view of this one. There's uh, a few photos doing the rounds on social media of Richard Hill interviewing the new uh, for the new manager, um, and and Richard Hill's both sides of the table. I thought that was quite um, amusing. Um, and uh, Eastleigh fans, or Richard Hill, might point out that uh, the last director of football to put himself temporarily and then permanently in charge was was Dean Breton, and we know uh, Dean Brennan. Sorry, and, and we know how that one's going. So um, let's see how that one pans out over the next few weeks. That wraps up the National League. Before we take a look at the FA Cup third qualifying round, there were three games played in the National League North and South yesterday. Uh, in the National League South, uh, Taunton came out 2-1 winners against Eastbourne Borough and uh, Chippenham won 2-0 away at Truro. Matt McClure at the double. And, uh, <laughs> Joe, tell us where
1: Taunton are in the table. Taunton are top of the league. Um, Viva La Somerset, the top three teams, Taunton, Bath and Yeovil. Um yeah, uh, you know, if um, he had one, Joe would be waving his Somerset flag now, but uh,
0: he doesn't. So uh, just just painting the pictures for the viewers, listeners. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's um, you know, I, I I've talked on this podcast a lot of time about what the brilliant job Rob Dre's doing there at, at Taunton, and he continues to do so well. One of the lowest budgets in the National League South, and uh, they just keep ticking along quite nicely, and. Uh, You know, who can bet against them to perhaps get in the playoffs um, at the end of the season? On the flip side of that, I'm starting to get a little bit worried uh, for Mark Beard at Eastbourne. You know, the money they've spent in the summer, the fact that they've gone full time now. Um, You know, we we always say that that first season after going full time is always tricky. But um, yeah, they're they're really struggling um, at the the, the wrong end of the table.
0: And chipping them after their 2 0 win at Truro. Uh, are in 8th place just two points off the playoffs in the national league uh, in the national league north Dickie, just the one game but so much to talk about around that game it was the replayed game and it worked out quite fortunately with both sides being out of the fa cup between scunthorpe united and buxton um tell us how it went on the pitch and try and wrap up if you can uh, what the heck is going on off the pitch at scunthorpe united
2: well, oh, I, I don't think the, the amount of time we've got left is is long enough uh, to talk about fully what's going on at Scunthorpe. Um, on the pitch, it was a 3-0 win for Buxton yesterday. Um, two goals for Diego Di Girolamo in the second half, sandwiching a, a Sam Minihan goal as well. And that's actually, I mean, the, the initial game was called or abandoned at, at 2-1 in something like the 95th of what should have been 100 minutes. Um, I think I think there were ten minutes added on. They'd only been played five, and it was two-one at that point. So Scunthorpe, almost kind of typical of their look at the moment, and they get another chance to play this game, and then end up losing it by an even bigger margin than they did had the original game seen its way through to its conclusion. Um, I've seen some people sort of talking about this being justice in a way, and that Buxton they felt should have been given the original result. Um, I can't say I agree with that one. I think if a game doesn't get fulfilled at at whatever point it gets called off, I think you almost have to have a hard and fast rule to say they get replayed. I think if you start weighing up the, oh, well, you know, but we're this far into the game, et cetera, I think you're creating more problems for yourself. I think it's absolutely the right thing to just say it should be replayed. Um, And fair play to Buxton, because, you know, they, they, they must have sensed that that was a potential banana skin for them yesterday to go back there um, and and to win by an even bigger margin than they did. I mean, in some senses, it might have been helped by the fact that it's been such another week of turmoil at Scunthorpe United. We had um, announcements in the week from David Hilton, stroke White, stroke Anderson, um, whatever he's being known as this week, I think it's Hilton, um, that he um, is not putting any more money into the football club. Um, that prompted uh, a whole lot of... Uh, uh, Further soul searching and and stuff flying around on social media and elsewhere, um, we had the um, the Iron Trust, I think it is, um, and Iron Brew podcast came together. They've put together a fundraiser to help uh, the the staff at Scunthorpe United get paid because you know there was an issue with them potentially not re- receiving any money from their labors, which people didn't think was fair. We also had the announcement that Scunthorpe were going to be moving and playing their games at Gainsborough Trinity, which Gainsborough Trinity, um, I wouldn't say they denied any knowledge of, but I think it was from their statement, it was clear that if there had been any discussion of it, it hadn't advanced to a stage yet whereby they could say that, yes, we are going to host Scunthorpe games. Um, there was talk about, you know, safety certificates for the ground um, with an additional, you know, if you're going to be having more people into Gainsborough Trinity's ground, that's going to require a revision to the safety certificate and things like stewarding, et cetera. I don't think any of that had been considered. So Scunthorpe kind of jumped the gun on there. Just another horrid, horrid week in the life of Scunthorpe United Football Club.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the league, despite that defeat, they remain in the top four. And that's probably the one positive, the one bit of hope for Scunthorpe at the minute. But it remains to be seen with the investment being pulled, whether they will have to, you know, cut costs sooner rather than later. Joe, just a very quick take, a minute or so from you on on the Scunthorpe situation.
1: Yeah, obviously it's not uh, not nice, you know, the fact that their fans are going through the ring again. You know, the, the the big hope was that the new ownership would uh, give them a, a fresh new start and uh, that's not really uh, happened. Um, I think for whilst there's always a loser and that is Scunthorpe, the winners of this situation will be the rest of the National League North. We'll look at this and think, well, this is our chance now to actually go and try and get promoted. You know, if there is going to be problems at Scunthorpe and they are going to have to get rid of players and there's going to be problems financially, whilst many people thought Scunthorpe would run away with it, it's now opened the door for other teams to to feel that they could go and, and win it instead.
0: We lunge, don't we, from week to week at this level with uh, more crisis news at different clubs. And sooner or later, as I think Aaron McLean was, was calling for um, on yesterday's uh, Highlights programme, somehow or other, the rules have got to be tightened up about who can come into a football club. Um, how it's going to happen, I don't know. That's my, not my level of expertise. Um, but uh, all the best to Scunthorpe United. If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial 999. Use the fast test. F. Face. Has their face fallen on one side? Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one
1: of these signs. Act fast. Make the call. Dial 999.
0: So on then to the third qualifying round of the FA Cup and uh, there were a few cup sets, forgive the um, the pun, uh, uh, involving the National League North and South sides. We're going to talk to uh, Joe and Dickie about one of them each, just to add to that equation. St Albans, who usually go about their business quietly and keep a lot of clean sheets themselves, succumbed 1-0 away to Biliriki. Um And uh, for Billericay, of course, who've, who've batted at this level for a little while, but find themselves... Uh, Not in the National League picture anymore. They got the job done on 56 minutes. Congratulations to them. Um, In terms of uh, the shocks, well, there was one in the north, one in the south. Let's start with uh, you, Dickie. South Shields travelled to Leek. Tell us what happened there.
2: It was a 2-0 win for Leek Town, the home side, and uh, South Shields, a side that progressed to the first round proper last year, um, and I had a TV game against Forest Green Rovers, and it was one that was uh, uh, decided by a, a, a pretty special Connor Wickham goal in the end that that, that game on television. They've had uh, the tables turned on them this year. That this year that that they are the bigger fish, and the the they've been taken down by Leek. Two really really good goals for Leek from Growcott and Stevenson. One in either half. Uh, the second one in particular. And from what I've seen of the game, it looked very much as though South Shields had a lot of the ball, but didn't necessarily do an awful lot with it. Um, And on a couple of occasions when um, Leek just sort of snapped into them and got busy and won the ball, uh, they very swiftly took the ball towards the goal and, and scored two really, really good goals. And yeah, South Shields out of the competition.
0: And Joe, there were 1,001 spectators at Lewis yesterday as they took on Hampton and Richmond. But by the looks of it, it might be a performance and a result that Hampton and Richmond... Want to put into room one
1: hundred and one? Yeah, um, and we use that. We obviously we use the term cup set because lose are in a, a lower division than Hampton. But if I was putting my money on any game yesterday to uh, to be a sort of upset, then it would have been lose. Um, Hampton and Richmond. All they've done this season is lose, and uh, you know uh, lose have a very very good manager in Tony Russell, a very strong squad. Uh, lots of experience at a higher level. Um, And it was some of those players that uh, that was involved in the goals. Um, One of which, their first goal was uh, Arthur Penny, formerly of Millwall. He headed in from a brilliant free kick from Bradley Pritchard. Obviously, lots of experience in the league with children. Uh, The second goal, another, um, this time from provider to goal scorer, Tommy Wood, formerly of Tombridge Angels, he crossed for Bradley Pritchard to get himself a goal, and they added a third uh, in the second half through. Marcus Sablier, uh, a name that we know uh, on the pod from his time at Bromley, um, and pretty much it was uh, straightforward for Luz. Um, As I say, lots of experience in their side. I mean, you only have to look at the unused subs yesterday for lose to realise uh, where they're going. Um, Alfie Egan, formerly of Ebbsfleet, Kieran Murtaugh, formerly of Bournemouth, and Chris Welpdale. Um So, yeah, that was one that I was expecting to be a, a win for lose, and uh, they did. And for Hampton and Richmond, you've really got to be looking at uh, manager Mel Gwinnett now. Uh, it looks like they could be... Uh, his time could be up there, given the, the investment that they've put in. And Lewis supporters
0: Adam. forgive... Forgive Joe's pronunciation. He's he said a good win for lose, which is a great pun if it works. But I'm pretty reliably informed it is Lewis. Um, and congratulations to them, and also to uh, to Leek and to Bill and Ricky on their progress. And and for South Shields, Hampton and Richmond and St Albans, well, they'll be scratching around looking to see if they can arrange a league game. I'm sure in a couple of weeks' time. Um, there were plenty of wins though for sides in the National League North and South. We're going to uh, reflect on a couple of the bigger ones in just a minute. But uh, a little mini sort of um, wrap-up from me. Chester came through 2-1 at home to Nantwich. Alfredton also won at home to lower-level opposition 1-0 against Emily. Hemel Hempstead Town got the job done at Galston by two goals to nil. Uh, Dover beat Haringey 2-1 with a brace from Sutherland. Um, and Yeovil came through against Didcot Town, Murphy and Nooble are on the score sheet there. Maidstone won 2-0, a couple of goals for Amanchi at Winchester. And Worthing beat Whitehawk 2-1 with two goals from uh, Jake Robinson, who, uh, of course, used to play for Whitehawk. On to a couple of those bigger wins for National League size, National League South size. So let's get on to those bigger wins. And uh, Joe, you were at one of those, weren't you? You were a little concerned going into... Torquay's game at home to Hungerford yesterday, but it wasn't very long before all those doubts were erased.
1: No, I I didn't know what to make of of Hungerford. Um, I I expected better things, uh, if I'm totally honest. Um, I know that they... They went in school eight or nine past Plymouth Parkway um, in the start of the season. Uh, Parkway, side I always thought were pretty handy at the level. But, um, yeah, it was a difficult afternoon for Hungerford. Um, they caught a Torquay team probably playing the best that they have done all season. Um, ma- manager Danny Robinson said that the first 20 minutes was absolutely textbook for his side. He thought they, they did really, really well. Managed to limit Torquay to fairly few chances. Uh, But once we got the first through Jack Stobbs, a bit of an unfortunate goal for them to concede a a sliding tackle from one of their players that diverted the ball straight to him five yards out, which he smashed into the roof of the net. And from there, it was pretty straightforward. Um, And as Danny Robertson said, it was 25 minutes of pure and utter capitulation uh, from his side. Uh, Goal from Aaron Jarvis from the spot. Brilliant penalty down the middle. Uh, Before, we added three goals in the space of five minutes. The first from Bradley Ash, who seemed to be playing more in the left wing yesterday than he has done. Uh, A second through Tom Lapsley, who was playing as an advanced midfielder yesterday. That's always where I've uh, thought he's best, better than playing at holding midfield. He was sort of the attacking midfielder yesterday. And then we made it five in added time. Uh, Aaron Jarvis, another penalty. And this was brilliantly uh, put away to the low to uh, Ryan Clark's uh, right hand side. And Ryan Clark, formerly of Torquay United, uh, used to play for us. And uh, all he had to do on the afternoon was pit the ball out of his net. Um, But yeah, a really good first half for Torquay. Um, Unsurprisingly, we didn't... uh, try and make the scoreline any more embarrassing than it already was in the second half. Um, But yeah, through straightforward and uh, when have we said that about talking, eh? doing things straightforward?
0: And I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Joe, but Joe and some of his mates yesterday did a little sweepstake at half-time on what the final score would be and Joe, being ever the pessimist, said that it would be 5-0 as it was at at, at half-time and Joe, you won, didn't you?
1: I did, yeah. Um, it was uh, disappointing. because I'd have liked to have seen uh, try and rack up nine or ten. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the job was done in the first half and, uh, yeah, it's a um, good, uh, good win to get through. And hopefully now we get a, a good draw at home.
0: Yeah, and our producer Luke Edwards in the background just saying uh, he's surprised you didn't go for a five-all draw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I was getting a little bit shaky in the second half. You know, it didn't start very well.
0: But, uh, yeah, job done. All right. And another one of our National League North sides came through very comfortably at home. Dickie, tell us about Hereford and Cambridge
2: City. Yeah, uh, a 3-0 win for uh, Hereford over Cambridge City. A much-needed boost of confidence as well in this game as well for uh, Paul Caddis. They haven't had the greatest of starts to their league campaign. They've been shuffling things around a little bit, um, just trying to, you know, changed things around a little bit. They were on the mark quite early yesterday. A goal from um, uh, Alex Babos. He came in from Banbury during the summer. He was one of their uh, summer signings. Yusuf Usise, he's joined them uh, quite uh, recently. And the third goal of the game came in the second half from Jack Tolly. That pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, Cambridge City have the uh, fabulously named Stefan Broccoli up front. But uh, yeah, he... Uh, uh, no five a day for him, unfortunately. There was no, not even one. So, uh, yeah, very comfortable for Hereford in the end.
0: And the news of that one was leaked early, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes, we have vegetable special this week.
0: <laughs> right, just a quick mention for Kings, Lynn, Town, because, uh, well, they weren't involved, were they, yesterday in the uh, FA Cup, but uh, prior... This weekend, Uh, they said goodbye to Mark Hughes, uh, not too long in the role. To be fair, he he began really well after uh, Tommy Ridrington had left last season, but uh, it wasn't working out for them this season. They've got a new manager now uh, and in his next FA Cup roundup, I'm sure that uh, Dickie can touch on who that is. As we talk about Curzon and Ashton's result yesterday in the All-National League North clash between them and Chorley.
2: Yes, I can. I think it was potentially, I suppose if you look at it, you think that that Kingsland not having a game this weekend might have been what prompted them to act um, in terms of, you know, making a change in their hot seat. Uh, And they've gone for Adam Lakeland, who is the manager at Curzon Ashton until Thursday. This one really took me by surprise, I have to say. Um, Probably based on the geography, you know, he was at Farsley Celtic before as manager. He'd been at National, I think, as a coach before that one and returned there as manager. Um, it's a measure of how well National have done that, you know, Kingslin would seek him out as their manager. And I think it's probably their full-time uh, status that's done it, just the opportunity to work with players on a daily basis rather than, you know, just having to do it two nights a week, which, um, you know, National. Probably there's a a bigger catchment area for Kingsland as well, if you can get that team going well. Whereas Kers and Ashton, uh, you know, traditionally don't enjoy a very big support. They do fantastically well. Um... They had to go yesterday into a game with a temporary manager in charge. I think they've said that Craig Marne, their player, is got the job for the foreseeable future. So it sounds as if um, they're having a look at him, seeing how he goes. He's always felt a little bit like a manager in waiting to me as well. Um, he, he's very well-respected. Uh, has been around a long time, knows this level. Um, his team had to come from a goal down yesterday. Scott Wilson put Chorley ahead in the 41st minute, but two goals in the second half. Uh, from uh, The first one from Jordan Richards, who is a player that, that Lakeland brought from Fosley Celtic, and the second one from Stefan Moles, a summer signing from Warrington Town. They got Kers Nashton through. So no Cup heroics for Chorley this year. We're not going to be seeing Adele belted out in any dressing rooms on the BBC this year, um, unless anybody decides to, to steal their thunder and steal their songs. But yeah, Kers into the fourth qualifying round. And um, yeah, they've gone quite well in the competition in the past. I remember that uh, televised game that I think they were winning 3-0 and lost 4-3 or some sort of horrendous turnaround in the second half. Um, If they do manage to progress to a TV game, they'll be hoping not for for a repeat of that.
0: Absolutely. Just looking at the, uh, the other ties before we focus on one or two in detail. Um, probably less than usual number of replays for this round, but uh, Northern uh, and Southern teams from our leagues that will be involved in replays in the week. Blythe Spartans couldn't put Worksop down to bed. That one ended up one all, and will go to a replay. And Averley, who'd been flying high in the National League South, were held 2 all by uh, Hornchurch, thanks to a 90-plus-1 equaliser for Hornchurch. Peterborough Sports and Needham Market will have to do it all again at Needham Market in the week. Too long a trip there for sports. Um, and Salisbury uh, managed to hold Scott Davis slowdown side to a nil-nil draw. Davis will be confident in getting the job done there in the replay. Um, and just looking at uh, um, one or two All-National League South games, uh, coming over to you on this one, uh, Joe... We've got a couple to, to just have a quick look at. And that is Weymouth 1, Bath City 2 and Farnborough Neil Western Super Mayor 1. Quick word on those two.
1: Yeah, um, Bath, they continue their really good uh, start to the season. Uh, Another goal for Scott Wilson. Uh, He seems to score every week and uh, he did again yesterday. Uh, Dan Hayfield, formerly at Tiverton Town, he got the opener for them. Uh, Weymouth managed to pull a goal back in the 90th minute through uh, Tom Bearish, um, but it wasn't to be in the end for them. Um, and for for Western Supermare, they managed to get the job done on the road against Farnborough. Um, obviously, Farnborough just lost Alfie Pavey to Woking uh, and they hit a blank yesterday. And it was a, a name that we all know, Ruben Reed, that got the goal for, for Western Supermare. Uh, he's still going and he got the goal for them to, to put them through in the, uh, the hat. Dickie, coming back to you,
0: Colville is another t- team that have sprung surprises recently in the FA Cup, haven't they? They played at home to Tamworth uh, and also another game that you were at yesterday, Russell Olympic against Boston. Just wrap those two up for us if you can.
2: Yeah, Colville and Tamworth was a, a one that caught my eye when it came out uh, of, of the bag when the draw was made, mainly because these two teams went head to head. Uh, for the Southern Premier Central title last season and uh, it was only settled on the final Saturday of the season. They both finished on 89 points and Tamworth were promoted on goal difference uh, and it came down to who got the best result on the final days to who went up. So you wouldn't think there'd be an awful lot between them. Um, two goals for Tamworth on the day, win this one. At Colville, Uh, Ben Milnes saw him in pre-season. He's uh, a very impressive performer for Tamworth. He's their captain. And then Jamie Jealous adding a goal uh, in injury time. So I think with with Tamworth, with the way they've hit the ground running in National League North, probably not that much of a surprise. Andy Peaks, their manager, did say after the game that with the... The, the confidence that's running through his side at the moment, that they did feel that they could go there and do a job. Colville are one of the better sides at Southern Premier Central level. But, uh, yeah, sounds like Tamworth um, fully deserving of their win yesterday. And, again, with the runner league form they're on, I don't think many teams will be fancying facing them in the fourth qualifying round. The game between uh, Rushall and Boston was one I went to yesterday, uh, uh, a meeting of two National League North sides, and very, very... Close game. Not an awful lot in it. Not an awful lot of chances either. But Boston won this one 1-0 with a goal from Brad Nicholson in the first half. uh, Defender getting up to head in a corner. Rushall had plenty uh, of the play. Um, They had plenty of the ball in the final third but couldn't find a way through. A fairly resolute Boston defence. Big disappointment for Rushwell. They've never reached the first round proper. I spoke to their vice chairman, Nick Allen, afterwards, and he was still feeling it an hour after the game. He was still really, really disappointed. Felt that it had been a good opportunity for them to progress to the, as a minimum, the fourth qualifying round and maybe reach that promised land of, uh, of getting to the first round proper for the first time ever. But it wasn't to be. Boston go through um, and be interesting to see who they get tomorrow. I think it was the first time Boston have beaten a team from the same level in the FA Cup for a number of seasons. I bumped into Christian, who's uh, been a guest on this podcast a few times, and he's always a a man for a stat with Boston United, and he told me that once. So, uh, yeah, good to see him yesterday as well.
0: In the All-National League North tie between Darlington and Scarborough, it was the MM show for Scarborough. Goals from Mullum and Maloney getting the job done there on the road. Terrific win for Scarborough, who progress in the FA Cup. There was a cracking game between North and South where Braintree took on Brackley. And, and rather than go to Joe from the South or Dickie from the North, I'll be the uh, middleman in this one. Uh, Brackley got themselves into Uh, A two-goal lead in the second half. Not the first goal in the game came in the 57th minute. But after that, Braintree slowly and surely got themselves back into it. And uh, Blackwell, Davies and Blair in the 90th minute meant that it was the National League South side that prevailed. And Joe, just finally coming to you about a couple of Desmonds, a couple of 2-2s involving sides from the National League South and below.
1: Yeah, um, one of those was uh, Gosport and Welling. That was uh, right in the uh, final minutes that that one actually was level. Uh, Welling took the lead through Adam in the 22nd minute before Gosport managed to turn the game on its head. Goals from Wooden and Ramos before uh, Welling managed to uh, draw the game in the 97th minute to force a replay. And it's a, a striker that we've kind of, uh, I would have expected to be seeing at National League level. Um little bit of a drop for him. Tristan Abrahams got the goal uh, there for uh, Welling to uh, to get them uh, a point, and or not a point, but a, a replay. Um, and another late goal uh, came in the Broms Bromsgrove Sporting against uh, Chelmsford, um, and it was actually the uh, the lower ranked side in that that got the point. Two goals for Callum Jones uh, for Chelmsford. Uh, the, the second of which was in the 80th minute, looked to have put them through. Uh, either side of a kind T goal for for Grove, who actually had 10 men after Pay was uh, sent off in the uh, 50th minute. But uh, a goal in the 93rd minute from Aaron Roberts, the defender, getting on the score sheet there to, uh, to level it up and mean that they go again in uh, Chelmsford in the week uh, to see who gets through uh, to the next round.
0: Excellent work there from Joe and Dickie wrapping up the FA Cup third qualifying round. We hope that in a couple of weeks' time, when all our National League sides uh, come in, or the remaining National League sides, rather, come into the competition, hopefully we'll have uh, Phil Annette back on, Mr FA Cup fact file, of course. Um, just that all that remains really, chaps, unless you've got any other business, is to look ahead to the games in the coming week. Of course, we've got those aforementioned replays. Um, I don't know if either of you get planning to get to any of those replays at all. Shake of the head from Joe and Dickie is sitting on the fence looking at his body language.
2: <laughs> I was I haven't had a proper look at, at where they where they are yet to know whether I might go to one. I have to say, I was thinking that Nantwich versus Chester was going to be my destination until uh, Charlie Caton scored in injury time to win that 1-2-1 for Chester. Um, I, I thought it's only about 30 or 40 miles away from here. So that would have been my likely destination. But uh, yeah, Mr. Caton spoiled that one for me. Yeah, I don't
0: think there's any games, any FA Cup replays anywhere near you, Dippy. If I said that probably works off against Blythe was your nearest one, then, uh, that's all quite a long way away. Okay, quick look ahead. There are no National League South or North games scheduled for the week. Um, looking at the lineup in the National League, which goes again, a full suite of matches. Um, and four of the top seven meet in midweek. Some eye catching games between uh, Chesterfield and Bromley. That's the coming together of a couple of. Uh, uh, very, very good uh, unbeaten runs with a lot of wins in. And then Solihull Moors against Rochdale should be a cracker as well. Plus, um, well, Ease are good at the Silver Lake. Uh, Eastley against Ebbs Fleet. And we'll see if Richard Hill and Paul McCallum can sustain their uh, recent run of good form. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you. And Dickie as well who uh, probably has clocked up the most appearances on this podcast. Um, Another one in the bag, Dickie.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm not even in the National League anymore and still managed to keep my appearance record going.
0: Very good indeed. Have an excellent Footballing Week, listeners. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to us on your preferred um, podcast platform. And then this podcast will be delivered to you as soon as it's out every week. Thanks also to our producer, Luke Edwards, who, as I say, will be hosting the NL full-time podcast next weekend while I take a break. That's it, I think. Play the thing, Julie.